This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Heard every Sunday night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Heard every Sunday night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zuma Radio, AM 740. And welcome to the Audio Imaginarium. Come on in, weary traveler. Hang your cloak on a peg, grab a stool, and come warm yourself by the fire. There are stories to be told, and you are among friends. Well, Happy New Year. Hope you all had a wonderful, blessed, joyous a Christmas, Nativity of Our Lord, as we say, Hanukkah, Happy Hanukkah. All the best to you and yours for 2018 from all of us here on The Conspiracy Show to all of you. We had a couple of weeks off, uh, which is very rare. Uh, it's been years since I've been off for uh, two weeks, not counting my bout with pneumonia a few years ago. Uh, so much going on that under even normal circumstances, it's impossible to cover it off, uh, to cover everything that's going on with a two-hour weekly show. So it really starts to pile up when the show is in hiatus for a couple of weeks. I'll tell you that. Uh, One of the big stories, of course, uh, that dropped near the end of 2017 had to do with a secretive UFO study conducted deep within the bowels of the Pentagon. And that story broke uh, December 16th in the New York Times. Uh, I'll read that to you in just a moment in case you've been living in a... um, and an emergency fallout bunker for the last several weeks. But first, let me say hello and introduce you to the boys in the band on the Flying V Gibson guitar, Ian Robertson. Hello, Ian. Happy New Year. Welcome. And, uh, of course, here in studio on the Rickenbacker bass guitar and occasionally the theremin, the inscrutable Albert Vinzel, my story producer. And uh, least, or last rather, not least, last, but certainly not least, on the uh, Hammond B3, a feature producer, and uh, he runs our Hangout on Air, our live YouTube stream, Ryan White. Gentlemen, good to have you all back. How was your uh, your New Year and your, your Christmas, Albert? Oh, good. It was... I went to my sister's in Whitby, Oshawa, and had, you know, a turkey dinner. All right. And uh, Ryan, yours? Excellent. Lots of fun time with the family. Really nice stuff. I got a 
cool telescope I'm looking forward to setting up sometime this summer. Ah, an amateur astronomer. All right. And uh, Ian, how about you? How was your holiday? Uh, like the other gentleman, family time and lots of turkey. Come on. This is the conspiracy <laughs> show. We're so boring. <laughs> I, read, I read a bunch of stuff about Sam Cooke. Cool. All His right. death. Yes. Could be a segment in the future. All right. We'll look into that. Yeah. All right. Yes, he did die under rather unsavory conditions back in 1965. Yeah. All right. Thank you for that, Ian. All right. We have to work on our private lives. This is, you know, we're supposed to be, you know, our lives are supposed to be filled with intrigue and subterfuge. And we're constantly having to look over our our back shoulder or our shoulder and hire people to start our cars in the morning and so forth. <laughs> All right. Uh, let's get to uh, this New York Times story. Uh, as I mentioned, back in December the 16th, Dateline, Washington. And uh, the, the headline, Glowing Auras and Black Money, the Pentagon's Mysterious UFO Program. And the writers, uh, Helen Cooper, who is uh, the, the, New, the New York Times Pentagon correspondent, and then we have uh, Ralph Blumenthal, who is um, now a contributor, but prior to that, he was for 45 years a staff writer with the Times. And then, of course, uh, researcher, journalist Leslie Keene, the author of Generals, Pilots, Gov- and Government Officials, uh, go on the record. So, um, allow me here then uh, to crib from the New York Times article, if I can, if I can get my computer working here. Here we are. Uh, in the $600 billion annual defense budget, the $22 million spent on the uh, Advanced Aerospace Threat Identification Program was impossible to find. And that's exactly how the Pentagon wanted it. For years, the program investigated... uh, I'm having a little difficulty with my computer here. It's not uh, cooperating. Anyway, so the idea was that uh, for years, this program was investigating reports of UFOs, and uh, this is according to uh, Defense Department officials... Uh, and uh, the records that were obtained by the New York uh, Times indicate a military intelligence official, Luis Elizondo, uh, was working, as I say, deep within the Pentagon's uh, bowels, the Sea uh, Ring, as it's known. And uh, the Defense Department has never before acknowledged the program. Now, it says it shut it down back in 2012. Uh, when the uh, Pentagon ended funding for the effort, but uh, others insist that this project remains in existence. And for the, fa- the, uh, the past five years, uh, the, uh, the program, having continued to investigate episodes of uh, UFO sightings and so forth, and uh, parts of this shadowy program remain classified. Uh, again, it was largely funded at the request of former Democrat Senator um, uh, Harry Reid of Nevada. He was the uh, Senate Majority Leader at the time. And uh, he has had a, a, a self-described interest in space phenomena. And uh, most of the, uh, the $22 million went to a, uh, an aerospace research company run by a billionaire friend of Mr. Reid's, Robert Bigelow. We're familiar with uh, Mr. Bigelow and, of course, his appearance on CBS's 60 Minutes uh, back in May of 2017 when he said that he was convinced that aliens exist and that UFOs have visited uh, the Earth. And um, officials with the program have also said to have studied uh, unknown objects and uh, American military aircraft uh, back in August... This was released. 
back in August, uh, an encounter with a whitish oval object about, uh, well, it was chased by two Navy F-A-18F fighters, and uh, this, was, this was off the coast of San Diego back in 2004. Uh, Mr. Reed, who retired from Congress uh, well back in uh, 2017, I guess it was, said, I'm not embarrassed or ashamed. He said, I'm proud of this program. He said things that I didn't, this is one of the best things I've done in my congressional service. No one has ever done anything like this before. Well, we are, uh, we're going to delve into this. Here's what we know in, in summary. The Pentagon has acknowledged for the first time the existence of a program called the Advanced Aerospace Threat Identification Program. The program is tasked with investigating UFOs and their potential threats. The government insists it cut off funding for the program in 2012 after just five years, but it wasn't completely shut down. And the official in charge of the program, uh, as I mentioned, Luis Elizondo, supposedly resigned in October. So, for the next hour, two hours in fact, my uh, story producer Albert Vinzel has put together a stellar roundtable. And uh, let me introduce the panel. One at a time, of course. Joining us from Mexico, one of Canada's most thoughtful, passionate UFO disclosure advocates, the executive director of Zeland Communications and the Zeland News Network, a good friend of the program, Victor Vigiani. Victor, Happy New Year. How are things in Mexico? Just fine and nice and warm, Richard. <laughs> nice R- and warm. Sure, rub it in. <laughs> uh, welcome. It's good to, uh, to hear your voice once again. Great, great to be with you. Derek Gilbert hosts Skywatch TV, a Christian television program that airs on several national networks and co-hosts Sci Friday, a weekly television program that analyzes science news with his lovely wife, author Sharon K. Gilbert. Uh, Derek is the author of the best-selling book, The Great Inception, Satan's Psyops from Eden to Armageddon. And he's a contributing author to the anthologies God's Ghostbusters, Blood on the Altar, When Once We Were a Nation, and I predict what 12 global experts believe you will see by 2025. He is the co-author of a brand new one, The Day the Earth Stands Still, unmasking the old gods behind ET's UFOs and the official disclosure movement. Derek, welcome back to The Conspiracy Show. How are you? Richard, it's an honor to be here. Thank you very much. And uh, thank you. Let's get uh, co-author Josh Peck in here. Josh is an avid researcher of fringe topics, works in full-time ministry at Skywatch TV, hosts Into the Multiverse, and has authored numerous books, including Unraveling the Multiverse and Abaddon Ascending, co-authored with best-selling author Tom Horn. Josh specializes in theological and scientific studies, such as quantum physics, to explain paranormal phenomena. And again... Uh, Josh is the co-author of The Day the Earth Stands Still. Uh, the secret effort behind official disclosure is revealed at last, and we'll, uh, we'll get into this book as well. And uh, Josh, welcome to you. Thank you for joining us. Well, well thank you so much for having me on. Uh, it's a pleasure and honor. Uh, my, my first question is, are we all making too much of this? Some in the disclosure movement are calling this official disclosure. Some are saying this was nothing more than a, cor- a crooked and corrupt Senator Harry Reid finding a creative way to give his pal Robert Bigelow $22 million in taxpayer money. Victor, let me start with you. Are we making too much of this secret Pentagon UFO study? We're not make- Maybe we're not making an- enough to do about it? What are your thoughts? Well, Richard, any time this whole idea of quote-unquote disclosure with a large D comes up, it doesn't matter when and how it comes up, uh, especially in terms of what uh, 
our good friend Stephen Bassett has done over the past uh, 15 to 20 years regarding uh, his efforts to bring about disclosure in Washington D.C. with the uh, with the hearing with, with the Senate hearings, the congressional hearings that he had that he held with the um, the, the adventure, the uh, we the people adventure, trying to get the White House to admit that uh, they're wrong on uh, on, on the UFO count. Um, every single time any one of these efforts ever comes up, and they've come up many, many times before, uh, there always seems to be some form of short circuitry going on. And by that I mean some sort of effort by, by whomever, be it the, gen- the general public or the media or just uh, you know, skeptics. <laughs> they're all over the place. Uh, it always lands up uh, being some sort of uh, large... Uh, critique of any effort to bring about an open dialogue about the disclosure movement, and I think any criticism of uh, of those efforts that I just mentioned and this effort too are completely unfounded. Because any time we want to begin to start a dialogue among the entire human family about the uh, the existence of off-world uh, sentient beings visiting our planet. Uh, we, we cannot criticize those efforts. They may not be exactly the way we want them to be crafted in terms of financing and who, who finances them and how they get financed. But the fact of the matter is, our government has been lying to us about this for over 70 years. And any effort, in my uh, humble opinion, to get this information out, any form of dialogue, and I underscore the word any three times, uh, is something that we need to investigate and pursue uh, as a public discourse. So I don't think we're making enough of this in terms of what uh, the entire uh, possibility of array of, of, uh, of discourse that can happen with respect to the UFO phenomenon and, and the need for uh, open disclosure about this particular issue. All right, Victor Vigiani, thank you for that. I will get to uh, Derek and Josh. Derek Gilbert, Josh Peck, co-authors of The Day the Earth Stands Still. After this timeout... And we'll continue our two-hour roundtable discussion on the secret UFO Pentagon study. Back with more of The Conspiracy Show, my name is Richard Serrett. Stay with us. The truth is not out there. It's right here. The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zoomer Radio. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Heard every Sunday night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. When in doubt, blame the government. You're listening to The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zoomer Radio. Welcome back. What a panel. Albert Venzel, good job. Victor Vigiani is joining us, executive director of Zeland Communications. He's joining us live from Mexico and uh, the Mayan Riviera, I believe, and uh, on the uh, the phone as well. Uh, joining us, uh, Derek Gilbert and Josh Peck, co-authors of The Day the Earth Stands Still. And uh, we'll tell you how to get that book, and we'll delve into it a little bit as well. We're going the full two hours on the, uh, the Pentagon's uh, secret UFO study. Uh, this was a story that was um, revealed by the New York Times back on December the 16th, uh, Helen Cooper, or Helene Cooper, the, the New York Times Pentagon correspondent, Ralph Blumenthal, longtime staff reporter with the Times, 45 years, and Leslie Kane, uh, a respected uh, journalist and uh, UFO author. Uh, generals, pilots, and government officials go on the record. And um, this, again, revealed in uh, December of 2017 that uh, the Pentagon had spent $22 million 
studying uh, UFOs. And uh, this was uh, done at the behest of former Senator Harry Reid of Nevada. Uh, the bulk of that $22 million apparently went to uh, his uh, friend, billionaire, aerospace uh, entrepreneur Robert Bigelow. And you'll recall that back in uh, May of 2017, on CBS's 60 Minutes, no less, uh, Bigelow said that he's convinced that aliens exist. So the the timing is kind of interesting. We have, of course, uh, Bigelow's appearance on 60 Minutes. We have the exploits of of Tom DeLonge, former frontman of uh, rock group Blink-182, who quit the band back in 2015 and decided to dedicate his life to, towards UFO dis- disclosure. Uh, and it's interesting that um, the man at the center of this story, Luis Elizondo, who was the military intelligence uh, expert, who's sort of the whistleblower on this and resigned in October from this, uh, this Pentagon study group, has since joined. Uh, he's since joined up with Tom DeLonge's uh, group. Isn't that right, Victor? Exactly correct. Yeah, yeah. It, make no doubt about it. It uh, it was a very big move, and uh, we're not exactly sure of the dynamics. If you listen to some of the videos that uh, that DeLonge has put out about this, uh, exactly how the en- entire team was put together, the To the Stars ac- ac- Academy. Um, but it sure is something that appears to mean business. Now, once again, as I said earlier, you know, how they constructed this and what their apparent motives might be, uh, we'll only be uh, you know, uh, glad to see exactly how this turns out eventually. But the fact of the matter is they're, they're, digging, they're digging deeper than anyone ever has as far as I'm concerned, especially um, with, with the mention of CBS. My criteria has always been, as, as someone who studies the media intensely, that once this issue, once the UFO ET issue, call it what you wish, appeared on CBS uh, News, uh, namely 60 Minutes, as uh, is in the Bigelow um, interview, once this issue hit 60 Minutes, it was, in my in my terms, the cork off the uh, off the bottle or the genie out of the bottle. I think it was a massive move on Bigelow's part, not only to come through and say what he said, but to say it in such conviction that he really doesn't care what anybody thinks. This is his uh, belief, firm belief, and uh, he's going to stick to that. Uh, he's going to stick to that belief. All right, let's get to, to uh, Derek Gilbert, Josh Peck, co-authors of The Day the Earth Stands Still. Let's start with you first, Derek. Uh, are we making too much of this uh, uh, Pentagon disclosure? Not enough? What are your thoughts? No, I'm glad, to, uh, Josh and I are both glad to see that this is getting the kind of attention that it does, because it's a phenomenon that really needs more uh, discussion. Now, Josh and I come at this from a, uh, uh, an unabashedly Christian perspective, uh, but we're not the only ones who are looking at the phenomenon, and first of all, saying that, this, that there is something going on here. We're not, uh, uh, definitely not saying that there is nothing to the UFO phenomenon. There certainly something is. Uh, we just want to follow where the evidence leads, and... Um, uh, and I think in, in the course of discussion, I uh, have an opportunity to express uh, our analysis of the, uh, the, the, the research, the analysis of, the, uh, of, of what uh, uh, information is coming to light. Uh, I don't think it's unfair to ask about the, uh, the motives of the, uh, the folks involved in it, um, just as good researchers and good uh, journalists, investigators, what have you, we just need to ask the questions and not accept everything at face value. Uh, and I think it's fair to ask, you know, what, uh, what motives might be behind the timing of the information release, uh, the fact that uh, Mr. Elizondo was um, 
connected to the uh, the release uh, and uh, the disclosure as soon as he joined the uh, this this for profit venture headed up by Tom DeLonge. Um, and I don't think it's unfair to uh, point out that there is a very heavy uh, intelligence community presence on the board of directors uh, of this new uh, venture. Um, you know, I, I think when, and this is perhaps me being skeptical, I mean, I started in the media in 1980 as a newsman, and uh, over time I've learned that, uh, uh, you know, different uh, facts are interpreted differently by different people, uh, depending on their point of view, and, and, you know, that includes me and Josh, of course. Uh, but uh, when you look at the, uh, uh, the, the, the presence of the intelligence community uh, veterans, on the To the Stars Academy, you've got a couple of different ways you can analyze that bit of information. Either this is a group of um, gentlemen who have uh, great expertise in this field, and they certainly do, uh, who are perhaps using that expertise now to uh, launch a business venture and perhaps educate the public about this phenomenon, or perhaps it's the intelligence community taking another avenue toward shaping the narrative, which, as uh, Victor pointed out, they've been doing for the last 70 years. Josh, your thoughts? Yeah, you know, I mean, uh, I, I don't think we're making uh, too much about it at all. Actually, I, I'm glad that this stuff is talked about more openly uh, now than it has been, well, frankly, ever. I mean, it wasn't that long ago that any time you would hear uh, anything on a serious news, you know, media, TV show, you know, CNN or Fox News or anything, if they if they did report anything on UFOs or anything, it was uh, usually laughed at or, you know, it was kind of treated as like this goofy thing. Uh, in light of recent events, this is the first time that I've actually seen it taken seriously um, by a, a lot of major news uh, networks and stuff, which is, uh, I mean, it, it, it's phenomenal. Um, but to... Um, go along with their, what Derek was saying is, uh, yeah, it's really important to know that when stuff is reported on or when we hear, um, you know, people like Tom DeLong give his opinion. I mean, we, we even went into the WikiLeaks emails in our book, The Day the Earth Stands Still, and uh, I, we, we printed uh, Tom DeLong's emails from the WikiLeaks. Now, these are private emails, so he didn't have any reason to uh, try to put on some facade or something like that. I do believe that at least I, I, I do believe his interest in UFOs is genuine, but I also think he, like many others, maybe without realizing it, is treating it more like a religion uh, than a scientific venture, which, which is fine. I mean, they could do that. Every, you know, people are uh, free to do that. Uh, Derek and I certainly push our religious uh, views, and we have a religious bias as well, being Christians. Um, but uh, part, part of why we wrote the book is to show that this isn't as scientific uh, as some might think. The way that it's been in, in, interpreted is more spiritualized. So let's say that this is the first step towards official disclosure. Um, I don't know that that's ever going to happen. Uh, if it does, I think it'll be uh, extremely complicated, and there's not going to be a simplistic answer for everything. But let's say that this is the first step towards something real. Uh, what we what we tackle in the book is no matter what information comes out or or the the many different ways that an official disclosure scenario could pan out even up to uh extraterrestrials landing on the white house lawn and and speaking with us directly 
we're still going to be given an interpretation of the truth by people reporting on it. You know, we're still going to be given some sort of slant or bias. Now, Derek and I are totally upfront about our uh, about our bias in this. Uh, we take a Christian worldview, but that's not to say that we're we, we don't have the traditional Christian view of just saying, well, it's all demons, and you know, we don't need to talk about it beyond that. Uh, we we don't take that. We don't we don't take that trajectory. We, uh, we, we think that there is something real and tangible going on, uh, something even physical in, in some cases going on, and something that can't be explained always by, uh, by, by things within our physical reality. So uh, we're, we're a little different in that sense, but, uh, but we're, we're very upfront in the book about where our personal bias comes from. So we're trying to show that everybody, you know, everybody who uh, deals in this topic has some sort of slant like that, has some sort of bias. Sure. Uh, and, Obviously, and, this and whole like, thing has become, you know, like, it, sorry, yeah, go ahead. Sorry. Finish your thought. Okay. Well, uh, like, uh, like Derek was saying, um, you know, we just want to show that when, if and when official disclosure does happen, there's still going to be that same type of interpretation. It's not going to be... Uh, this type of, you know, well, the truth is out now, and now we all know. There's still going to be a lot of questions, probably more questions that, than, you know, that we have uh, than now. Uh, so it's important to look at it, uh, you know, through, through that lens and see that in a lot of ways, and again, not saying this is necessarily a bad thing or a wrong thing or that we're, we're condemning it. I mean, you know, we all were, uh, people are free to, you know, do what they want and talk about things the way they want to. But, but it, a lot of times this, is, this, this topic is handled more like a religion than a scientific venture. That came out in the WikiLeaks emails, that came out in a lot of our research, and that even comes out in the, uh, the abduction and UFO experiences themselves. Uh, I don't want to put words in your, your, your mouth, Victor, but I know how long you have, have uh, toiled to get seri- a serious journalistic treatment of this subject. And so I think I, on one level what you're saying is, uh, again, not to put words in your mouth, but let, let's, okay, yes, we can argue about, you know, what the politics are here and wh- who's working what angle, but let's at first, f- at least for now, just take a moment, a step back, and let's just celebrate the fact that it is being treated at a serious journalistic level. The New York Times, there's no tongue-in-cheek. They are reporting this in a very, very straightforward, serious manner. Let's celebrate that fact first. Uh, and then we can sort of step back and maybe, uh, you know, sift through the entrails. Is, is that about right, Victor? That's, you've, you've actually put the words right into my mouth, uh, Richard. Actually, that's exactly the perspective that I've taken over the past 35 to 40 years of my examination of this extremely complex issue. And I think we're hearing um, from, uh, you know, several different points of view here. And it's much like if I could use the, uh, the, the, the whole Christian uh, or uh, Christian Judeo um, in Genesis of, uh, of Joseph's coat of many colors. That's what we have here. We have a coat of many, many different colors. And I don't think it's um, inappropriate to really look at it from as many different perspectives as we possibly can, because we know how many um, disparate groups are, in fact, out there who want to believe certain things about what this phenomenon, whatever it might be, really is. And the more different perspectives we, we begin to talk about, we engage dialogue about, um, will bring clarity to this issue, and that's that's all that uh, that we at Zeland Communications seek. Uh, you know, it doesn't matter about the motives and all of that. It's a, that's all secondary d- dialogue. What we need to do is get this 
the discussion moving around it so that the human family can begin to discuss this in a rational way. And my impression is that good journalism is probably uh, not science, not religion necessarily, uh, not uh, cultural bias, but I think good journalism has always brought us to the precipice of understanding the crises that were faced, be it a world war or be it you know, a catastrophe of some other kind. Good journalism always takes us to the door, and then it's up to humanity to decide what kind of information, not necessarily evidence. I really don't like that word evidence, but the information that's necessary to bring people to a point of, of clarity about the, the fact that we are, A, with, that we're not alone in the universe, and that for some strange, inexplicable reason, these beings, whatever they are and their craft, are here uh, among us. And we have to come to grips with that, no matter how we interpret uh, um, how the information comes to us. Uh, agreed. But here's the thing um, that concerns me, and that is that we've sort of seen this movie before in, in different iterations, and a number of times it sort of ended badly. Let's say, for example, the Roswell slides. Mm-hmm. Um, there have been other incidents. It's almost like we, we, we were being set up as if someone is creating a a straw dog, or a straw man, sorry, a mm-hmm. straw man, in order then to tear it down, and then it can further set back mm-hmm. the whole UFO disclosure movement. Let me um, give you an example. Um, we're talking about this Luis Elizondo, and um, my good friend John Rappaport, who's not with us tonight, but he, uh, of No More Fake News, he's with us on, on the program a number of times, and here's what he writes, and I, I thought it was rather insightful. He says, for far too long, Government insiders who offer UFO revelations have been given a free pass. They should be treated like any other sources for breaking stories. Your information is fascinating, but I have lots of questions about you and your background. There is a history of these insiders spreading disinformation or lies mixed with truth. This is how intelligence and propaganda operatives work. For instance, they could present tidbits about actual UFO sightings, along with false claims about recovering alien bodies. Those latter claims would be part of their covert agenda. Here are questions Mr. Elizondo should respond to. Mr. Elizondo, in your extensive high-level work as an intelligence case officer, did you ever plant stories in the press? false stories. If not, let me put, into, put, uh, put it to you this way. If you had seen the value of planting a false story in order to move a covert operation forward, would you have done it? Mr. Elizondo, you resigned from the Pentagon in October. Almost immediately, you began revealing secret UFO information to the public and the press. What about your non-disclosure agreements with the government? You violated them, didn't you? Do you have permission from the government to ignore these ar- agreements? If so, how did you arrange that? If not, what has the government told you about your violations? Again, this is John Rappaport uh, from No More Fake News. I thought all very legitimate, important questions that should be put to Mr. Elizondo to anyone who has access. What are your thoughts on that, Victor? Well, he's he's really providing us with a series of questions from someone within uh, an agency that uh, knows a whole lot more about this uh, than most people. And I think those are, in fact, legitimate questions. But I think the, one of the overriding questions, Richard, is um, who, in fact, or what agencies, in fact, have the influence and power to, um, as one of your guests just mentioned, who has the power to frame this issue the way they want. 
I think that's one of the key issues in the whole discourse. Right. What kind of lens are we being uh, forced to look through uh, to interpret how the UFO ET issue is being framed by the secret government, by the military, by whomever is in control of the way this information flows? And I think that that is a very, very key question. And uh, if anyone who's involved into the, uh, the uh, to the stars program, they need to answer those questions too, because they they definitely are part of a of a controlled mechanism as to how this information is coming out. And I think you and I both know that any time the government, be, be they intelligence agencies or the military, whatever, gets their fingers into this pie, you can definitely make sure that that pie will be tainted in one way or another. And as soon as you taste the pie, you know, you drink the Kool-Aid, you become part of the problem. And I think that's part of the, the issue here. And I go back to my previous point. Uh, I think it's a, it's, a, it's a key point to understand some of the great researchers that we have, some of the great journalists that we have, they, these are the ones that are going to bring that issue into focus and really kind of tease out how the military and how the secret government is forcing us to interpret what this UFO issue might be and remove some of the bias. I know we can't remove all of the bias all the time. I'm not painting journalists as, a, you know, as, the, uh, as, the, as the, the knight in shining armor that's going to clarify everything for us. But really, it's the only mechanism that we have. It's the only vehicle towards some kind of quote-unquote truth what this issue might be. And so those questions that are being asked of that individual, uh, Mr. Alessandro, I think are legitimate questions, but what, even when he answers, how will he be able to uh, defend who he has been with over the past several years and what his agenda is? So there's a multiple numbers of ways we can look at it, and I go back to my point once again, that journalists are the ones that will be able to tease this out for us and allow the public to decide where the information is coming from and what the biases are. Uh, over to you, Derek. We're, we're coming up on a break, but let's just uh, hear from you now, and then we'll uh, continue after the break. What are your well, thoughts on... Briefly, yeah. th- this is something that we didn't go into great detail into in the book, because it wasn't the primary focus of the book, uh, but we did touch on a number of government uh, agencies, uh, specifically joint security control, which is documented in an FBI memo from July of 1947, that this uh, particular government uh, Department of Defense agency... Uh, which was tasked with the type of deception that we uh, worked against the Nazis on D-Day to conceal where we were attacking from, was uh, before the end of July 1947 already interfacing with the FBI about investigating UFOs. So this Department of Defense agency whose mission was to deceive was involved at the very beginning of the modern UFO phenomenon to try to shape the narrative. So uh, we just wanted to point out that uh, as we look at this phenomenon, We need, as critical thinkers, to ask the question, how is this narrative being shaped, and for what reason might the government want to get us to believe a particular thing about the UFO phenomenon? Well, Josh, pick up on that thread. Why would, what, what does the U.S. government, or at least this particular branch of the U.S. government, perhaps, what do they want us to think about this phenomenon? Sure. Well, I think I think a lot of it is political in nature. I think because uh, we see we see this a lot in other in other areas that you know outside of extraterrestrials and UFOs. Um, for for example, uh, the Roswell, and it's, we probably don't have enough time to before the break to get too heavily into it. But uh, we'll, we'll, I'll, I'll I'll just say briefly that there there would have been good reasons that the U.S. government w- might have wanted the public to think that it was an extraterrestrial craft that crashed on Roswell. Now. Uh, I've heard compelling arguments both ways, so I mean I'm open to both possibilities. But in the book, we uh, we we try to go where the evidence leads. And, and on that point, I'll quickly say too that um, j- you know 
we, we do handle this from a Christian standpoint, but that doesn't mean that we're opposed or that we're even discounting the possibility of actual extraterrestrial life. We deal, we deal with that heavily in the book, and we could get into it later if you're interested. But well, and on that point, it, on that yeah. note, let me, um, let me go to break, but let me say, sure. uh, I can safely say, all four of us on the panel are, uh, are Christians. We will uh, pick this up on the other side. The uh, co-authors of The Day the Earth Stands Still, Derek Gilbert, Josh Peck, and the executive director of Zeland Communications, Victor Vigiani, as we discuss the Pentagon UFO study right here on The Conspiracy Show. Question everything. This is The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett on Zoomer Radio. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Heard every Sunday night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Shaking the world and seeing what falls. This is The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zoomer Radio. Welcome back. We don't do this often, and that is uh, go the full two hours on a single subject, but we have assembled our uh, tremendous panel here. Victor Vigiani from Zealand News Network. And uh, Victor, quickly, how can, uh, how can we read your blogs and your, your dispatches on uh, Zealand News Network? Well, basically, uh, if, if uh, our listeners, Richard, want to just Google... Uh, Zeland Communications, all one word, Zeland, and then Communications. Uh, they can uh, get to all of our press releases and editorials uh, on that one particular site. And uh, Derek Gilbert, Josh Peck, uh, co-authors of The Day the Earth Stands Still, uh, the secret effort behind official disclosure is revealed at last. And uh, let me uh, go back to you, Victor. Uh, if you're the editor at the New York Times, uh, and now it's time for a follow-up, uh, on this uh, blockbuster article that came out December the sixteenth, um, what are you going to what are you going to ask uh, uh, your your marching orders for Helene Cooper, Ralph Blumenthal, and Leslie Kane? Um, well, I've, I've given that a lot of thought because, in in a sense, I anticipated that question because, um, and, and I like the way I believe it was Derek mentioned it uh, a few minutes earlier is, is how the na- this narrative will be framed. And what I would do if I was the editor of, of that particular um, uh, uh, newspaper, what I would challenge all the writers who are interested in doing this, not just for the New York Times, but all media in general, is to raise the level of conversation about this. And I think by that I mean um, engaging in a form of discourse that really has uh, forces us to ask the really big questions about what's really going on here irrespective of motives, money, finance, and all of that. I think these writers have to get to the core of what this issue really means to us as a human family, irrespective of government and all the controls of intelligent agencies and and that, that whole entire quagmire. And there are at least five major questions that I think uh, these journalists have to begin to uh, raise in, 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 in a coherent and rational way. The first one is we're talking about the fate of the planet. Are we in a recovery mode here, or are we going to continue with extinction behaviors that will decimate the planet? Second of all, what's the meaning and the use of money with this concept of an economy? Is it a relevant issue to us as a human family? Do we need the kind of economy that we have right now based on a cyclical war economy? Um, Our own place in the universe, when we discover that we're not alone, who are we as a race, as a species? And and I think that the very key question is, who or what is this thing that we call a creator? 
Now, that may be tough for journalists to approach, but it really speaks to, this whole issue speaks to where have we come from uh, as corporeal and non-corporeal beings. And, and finally, I guess there's the whole idea of, of, of the juxtaposition of the corporeal existence that we enjoy right now versus the, the non-corporeal or spiritual existence that we, that, that we may enjoy uh, after these containers that we're, that we're all living in right now are, are, you know, are completed or brought to an end. And those are five key questions that we have to raise in order to really understand what this, the, 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 the quantum presence of, the, of what this issue is all about. And I think we have to set aside the older arguments that many researchers have been involved in for over the past 35 to 40 years and raise the level of conversation. So that, that would be my challenge to them, Richard. Well, those are all great questions, and those are things that, you know we discuss on this show. There's, there, those are the subject of film and literature uh, for you know, perhaps centuries, but doesn't that presuppose that the pilots of these, uh, these um, UFOs are not uh, United States, you know, pilots, uh, that, that, that these are not, um, these are not, you know, highly sophisticated uh, Air Force a craft of some sort. Isn't that presupposing mm. that they're extraterrestrial or that they're interdimensional or something like that? Mm. Well, I think that argument is, is fairly uh, fairly easy to, to, to deal with, Richard, because if you're talking about the last 25 to 30 years, perhaps even 40 years, there may be a, uh, an argument to say that some of these craft that we're seeing in the air uh, are, in fact, experimental craft piloted by by human beings with uh, you know exhibiting technologies that we're just not aware of that's been sort of the the military persona uh, for a long long time and that that's that uh, I, I would definitely espouse that particular point of view that some of the craft that we are seeing are in fact our own craft but it does not address the issue uh, that uh, perhaps our other guests could could raise that these craft have been in existence and been seen culturally uh, over over millennia they have been here long, long before man even entertained the idea of flight. So, in in in, in the ancient literature, in in many of the uh, uh, you know the, the the Mayan culture, as a matter of fact, every single culture, uh, native culture on the planet, has some sort of storytelling that involves um, things that come from the sky. And I think that we're we're at our own peril if we dismiss that entire anthropological argument about where these craft are from, who they might be, and what these beings are all about. So I think that the whole idea of you know, experimental craft is a, is, a, is a good one, but I don't think it completely explains the, uh, the ET question completely. Uh, Derek, this is now where we're sort of getting into your wheelhouse about, I guess, the, the, the origin uh, of these craft and the whole ancient alien or ancient astronaut uh, theory. Uh, and again, we're coming up on a break. This was a short segment, but let's begin this discussion now. We'll continue afterwards, uh, obviously. Uh, well, did absolutely. you want to address what some of the things that Victor pointed out? No, we would absolutely agree with Victor in that uh, we cannot explain all of the sightings and all of the craft that people have seen through natural means or as uh, experimental craft, well, uh, obviously as experimental craft that the government would have an interest in concealing from uh, say, uh, the Russians and the Chinese. But uh, to get back to Victor's five questions, and I think these are very insightful, questions that he would like asked of um, the witnesses to uh, these um, uh, events, you know, researchers or rather uh, journalists as they investigate this particular topic, because especially his final three questions are essentially the questions that everyone asks 
who are searching for a, a meaning that's bigger than themselves, a meaning to life. In other words, religion. Uh, where do we come from? Why are we here? Are we going to keep going this way? Or is there some meaning to existence beyond just trying to get by each day and have enough to, uh, uh, to eat and a place to sleep? Is there some meaning to our existence? And, and thirdly, what happens when we die? What happens when these uh, corporeal shells that we inhabit are no longer with us. All right, let's uh, delve into those uh, when we come back. Sorry, this was a short segment. The Day the Earth Stands Still, Derek Gilbert, Josh Peck. Uh, joining us also, Victor Vigiani, Executive Director of Zeland Communications. Back with more of our two-hour roundtable discussion on the secret Pentagon UFO study, right here on The Conspiracy Show. The truth will set you free. But first, it will really tick you off. You're listening to The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zoomer Radio. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Heard every Sunday night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Question everything. This is The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett on Zoomer Radio. All right, uh, I want to turn this uh, over to Derek and Josh for a moment here and, and talk about you know those final three questions that Victor uh, said that we should really be addressing in a, in a serious manner. And uh, one is sort of the, the nature of uh, creation. Who is the creator? What is the creator? Uh, second, sort of the, 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 the trajectory of human history and where we are, we are going as a planet and as a civilization. Uh, and and um, th- third, I guess, has to do with what was the third one? <laughs> uh, the, uh, the, our corporeal nature. What happens when we die? What happens when we die? Uh, if we frame that uh, sort of within the UFO arena, uh, aren't we sort of getting into what you referred to earlier, Derek and Josh, and that is sort of ufology as a religion? Absolutely, and that's why we addressed it in the book, and I'll turn this to Josh in a second, but just want to point out that uh, when you look at recent studies, and uh, was a 2012 National Geographic Channel did a survey of American adults and found that 36% of us believe that we're being visited by ETs. The Barna Group, which researches what Christians in America believe, found that only 10% of American adults have a biblical worldview, which they defined as holding six key tenets of Christian uh, theology, uh, things like uh, Jesus lived a sinless life, was born of a virgin. Uh, Satan is a little literal entity and not just a concept or a, or a force. Uh, so when you look at it from that perspective uh, and realize that many people are turning to the UFO phenomenon to answer those big questions of life, where do we come from, what happens when we die, you know, is there a meaning to my existence beyond what I see in my workday life? Uh, yeah, uh, there are more people who are turning to uh, E.T. than to the God of the Bible to get those answers. Josh, jump in. Yeah, um, so this is this is part of what we dealt with in the book, too, just kind of the theological, uh, you know, na- nature of the whole UFO, ET, uh, life on other planets question. And, and, and again, from me and Derek's standpoint, we're not the type of Christians that are threatened by the idea of life on other worlds. We actually deal quite a bit with it in the book uh, as a possibility. Now, that word possibility, <laughs> uh, we, we kind of keep it there. Probability, um, at least in, in the sense of uh, are we being visited? No, probably not. And we look at the evidence. Now, we, we, we do believe that we're being visited by something. Uh, whether it's extraterrestrial or not, we, we deal with that heavily in the book and actually go through the evidence to say it's likely. I, I believe that we build a strong case for the extra-dimensional hypothesis. Um, but but the, the, the theology of this um, 
you know, if you look at those questions, uh, and this, again, is why, you know, we, we kind of make the case in the book that this should be, uh, at least certain interpretations of this phenomenon should be treated as a religion rather than a scientific venture. Sure, there, there are uh, people in there, you know, out there trying to study this scientifically as well they should. Uh, but again, these aren't things that can be recreated in the lab, you know, at least not yet. You know, we, we don't have, as far as we know, any kind of uh, extraterrestrial body that we can study. Uh, now, maybe the government has something like that, and who knows. But even if they did, there would be interpretations of that as well. Um, so a lot of this, uh, you know, it, it starts with where do we come from? Uh, now, in, in me and Derek's view, we're created in the image of God, and, and, that, and that's a big part of why we're not threatened by the, uh, the, the, the possibility of life on other worlds, because it doesn't threaten our position uh, as imagers of God or God's imagers, God's representations on earth as if he were uh, here today. That, that certainly doesn't mean that we are God or anything like that, but that, uh, you know, we're, uh, we're God's creation, and um, we, we have this, uh, this office called the image of, of God that, that, you know, that, that we hold here on, on earth. And this, moral this, agents, this was for, if you will. Yeah, moral agents. Yeah. Yeah, and this goes for every human being on earth. Yeah, even people of other religions. I mean, this is just man is created in, in, uh, in, in God's image. Uh, now, whether they accept that or deny that, you know, that, that's up to the individual. But uh, in the E.T. view, uh, if, if, uh, if E.T. created us, I mean, what would it be? Uh, the, the best we could consider ourselves are, are an experiment. Um, they, they would be absentee mothers and fathers, you know, because they left. Uh, without any direct line to them, you know, I mean, some could make the case that, well, God left too, but, you know, there's, there's the whole Jesus dying on the cross thing, so uh, uh, we, we, we don't have an alien gray doing the same thing. Uh, so, I mean, it, it answers the question in a fundamentally different way that we talk about logically and, and philosophically in the book, is this really better, you know? And, again, this is just for people who, who uh, sort of treat the E.T. phenomenon as a religion. These are our creators. They're our space brothers. Uh, you know, they're going to come back someday. It's all the hallmarks of, of a religion uh, rather than a scientific venture. Now, I fully do believe and accept that uh, the government studies these things, as well they should. Uh, you know, this is something that Derek and I talk about quite adamantly on pretty much every interview that we do, is that, yes, we should have scientific studies of these things. Uh, because, well, I mean, first, what if it is ET, or what if it is something extra-dimensional, extra or what if it's uh, uh, newly formed technology and developments from enemy countries? You know, I mean, the, the, these are all possibilities that we have to take in effect. So I'm, like Derek, um, uh, I, I'm glad that, the government is studying this. Now, wh where I kind of get nervous is what is the government going to use this for? You know, are they going to use this as a power play on the rest of us? I think that's probably likely. Uh, if, we, if, we look at the, uh, if we look at the history of pretty much every government ever, <laughs> right. that, that kind of seems to be the tact. If, if you can uh, get more power using something, especially something mysterious like this in the past, it's been, uh, you know, certain religions and things like that. So, Josh, sure, are you suggesting I can, I can that this is all leading up to, is this all sort of then perhaps potentially leading up to something like a Project Blue Beam? Is that where we're heading? Uh, the, the, the holographic, yeah. the, the idea that, yeah, I'm, an alien I'm Blue invasion. Beam, I'm, I'm, uh, 
I try I try to I, I try to take things with as much evidence as possible, and I I haven't heard anything convincing about blue beam that would that would necessarily make me too nervous about it. But let's let, let's say for sake just sake of argument that that type of holographic technology does exist in some type of. I, I don't. I, there, there's a lot of different scenarios on how this could be used nefariously. You know, some t- some type of uh, alien invasion, or even th- even going as far as some type of uh, projected second coming of Christ. You know, that scenario has been put out there. I just don't see I, I, the amount of money for one thing it would take to implement something like that worldwide is just is is insane. Uh, but. It would. I mean, if I'm understanding the argument right, it would still be holograms, right? Like, I mean, these things. That's these my understanding. Wouldn't yes. actually be able to to have any kind of physical attributes. So, I mean, it would be really. Easy, it seems like it'd be really easy to debunk. I, I, I think the government most likely is just going to kind of leave us to our own devices, let us believe certain things that we might believe in, and then use those towards their own end. For example, if Roswell wasn't. Uh, and uh, an actual ET UFO crash. What if it was something else, an experiment they were working on uh, with e- e- either uh, j- Japanese cap- captives or, or, or uh, kids with progeria or, or something horrible like that? What, what, and I'm not even saying I'm not even saying that that's a definite thing. But what if that was the case? Wouldn't it make sense that uh, the government might say, you know, the whole ET thing that bodes a lot better for us? <laughs> Let's kind of try to steer the public towards that. All right, let me uh, jump in here. Otherwise, we're in a lot of trouble here. (laughs) Okay. Josh Peck, Derek Gilbert, Victor Vigiani, stay with us. Back on the other side, more of our discussion on the secret UFO uh, study conducted by the Pentagon. Stay right here on The Conspiracy Show. My name is Richard Serrett. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Heard every Sunday night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Live from Toronto, Canada, Earth, The Conspiracy Show with Richard Sarrett on Zoomer Radio. Thanks for inviting me into your home, long-haul truck, RV, camper, taxi, your parents' basement, your loft, that greasy spoon just off the interstate and your cabin in the woods. Welcome to hour two of this transmission. We are discussing the secret Pentagon UFO study. This was a story that was exposed on December the 16th in the New York Times. Let me read uh, from this again now that I have my computer up and uh, working. Glowing aurora, uh, glowing, sorry, glowing, now my mouth isn't working. Glowing auras and black money, the Pentagon's mysterious UFO program. Again, authors Helene Cooper, Ralph Blumenthal, and Leslie Kane. In the $600 billion annual Defense Department budgets, the $22 million spent on the Advanced Aerospace Threat Identification Program was almost impossible to find, which was how the Pentagon wanted it. For years, the program investigated reports of unidentified flying objects, according to Defense Department officials, interviews with program participants, and records obtained by the New York Times. It was run by a military intelligence official, Luis Elizondo, on the fifth floor of the Pentagon's Sea Ring, deep within the building's maze. The Defense Department has never before acknowledged the existence of the program, which it says it shut down in 2012. But its backers say that while the Pentagon ended funding for the effort at that time, the program remains in existence. 
For the past five years, they say, officials with the program have continued to investigate episodes brought to them by service members while also carrying out their own their other Defense Department duties. The shadowy program, parts of it remain classified, began in 2007 and initially it was largely funded at the request of Harry Reid, the Nevada Democrat who was the Senate Majority Leader at the time and who has long had an interest in space phenomena. Most of the money went to an aerospace research company run by a billionaire entrepreneur and longtime friend of Mr. Reid's, Robert Bigelow, who is currently working with NASA to produce expandable craft for humans to use in space. On CBS's 60 Minutes in May, Mr. Bigelow said he was absolutely convinced that aliens exist and that UFOs have visited Earth. Working with Mr. Bigelow's Las Vegas-based company, the program produced documents that described sightings of aircraft that seemed to move at very high velocities with no visible signs of propulsion or that hovered with no apparent means of lift. Officials with the program have also studied videos of encounters between unknown objects and American military aircraft, including one released in August of a whitish oval object about the size of a commercial plane chased by two Navy F-A-18F fighter jets from the aircraft carrier Nimitz off the coast of San Diego back in 2004. Mr. Reed, who retired from Congress this year, said he was proud of the program. Quote, I'm not embarrassed or ashamed or sorry I got this thing going, end quote. Mr. Reed said in a recent interview in Nevada, I think it's one of the good things I did in my congressional service. I've done something that no one has done before. All right. Joining us on the panel, Victor Vigiani, the executive director of Zeland Communications, and Derek Gilbert and Josh Peck, co-authors of The Day the Earth Stands Still, unmasking the old gods behind ETs, UFOs, and the official disclosure uh, movement. Now, uh, we have sort of uh, had a kind of a far-flung philosophical discussion. I want to bring it back to the the, uh, the Pentagon... um, Program Advanced Aerospace Threat Identification Program, and uh, talk about the uh, the video that was released in August. Uh, but I believe, as part of the uh, the New York Times story, they also released the um, the Pentagon also released the transcripts of the uh, the the, uh, the conversations uh, that the pilots that encountered this aircraft had. Um, I want to take it back, bring it back to you, Victor. Mm-hmm. What are your thoughts of this video? This U- U.S. military jet encountering. This unknown object, um, this again dates back to uh, 2004 off the coast of San Diego. Mm-hmm. Well, it, it's, it's very uh, interesting the, the way the, uh, the video was played out. Um, I looked at it several times and I compared it uh, quite closely to um, a video that was, um, uh, ironically enough, um, distributed by the Mexican Air Force when when they uh, they had their jets. I'm not sure exactly what kind of jets they were uh, that, that saw the objects, a fleet of objects, um, and I, don't, I can't even recall the year, but um, it was it was relatively recently. And they um, uh, these jets captured with their gun cameras and infrared um, uh, cameras virtually the same kind of activity of a group of objects and uh, very similar in nature um, and when you listen to the pilots in uh, in Spanish speak uh, they're describing things that are doing weird uh, maneuvers in the sky and you get the same kind of crackling voices and right. all of that and you compare that to um, this current uh, video that we're discussing right now uh, is very similar in nature it was 2004 uh, and, uh, incidentally that that was so it's 
the same year as the, the U.S. Correct. Navy yes. pilot, 2004, yes. and this was the Mexican Air Force. That's right, exactly. I'm glad you got that little tidbit of information. Um, in any case, uh, when you compare the two videos, they're, they're very similar. So what does that mean? Uh, does that mean that both the Mexican Air Force um, and the United States Air Force are fabricating these things to throw everybody a, a curveball and to... Uh, you know, to, to cast more doubt on what these objects might be and on all those questions, or uh, or, or is it a real phenomenon that they're, that they're seeing? There's no middle ground here. There's something either real or not real about it. And I think we have to deal with what deal with that uh, at the level of, of specificity that we can. There's no way that we can actually prove that these pilots saw that kind of thing unless, you know, you open up a congressional hearing on the specific incident. Um, and with, you know, testif testifying uh, in front of a con congressional group as to the veracity of what these pilots saw. Uh, and even that might not even get the information out. So we're always going to be confronted by doubt in this whole in this whole situation. And and I might remind our listeners that this is not the first time that uh, the, the United States government has uh, launched some sort of uh, diatribe at the people who are uh, attempting to uh, hide the information. Back in 1960, Roscoe Hillencutter, uh, Vice Admiral uh, in the Navy, the first um, the director of the CIA, said very very clearly that uh, this this issue had to be looked at and it's time for the truth to be brought out about these these flying saucers all these ufos so the, the congress has been challenged many many times uh... to bring this information forward and i i see this particular video as fairly good fairly substantial evidence that this thing needs to be looked at um, in, in an official way by Congress, and not necessarily to, to give it validity, but to give it its place in history and to, to allow people to hear their elected representatives toss around terms like extraterrestrial or, or, or UFOs or, um, you know, different kinds of uh, you know, free energy propulsion systems and not ours, all that kind of language that we need to engage in to raise the idea that these craft just may not be our own. So um, I think this, 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 this video really points to the fact that we need to look at this a little bit more carefully than we're doing right now. So it may, it may in the end, be a, a, nothing more than a conversation starter, um, and we can quibble as to whether it's real or not. Now, our, our, your colleague, uh, a good friend of the program as well, Grant Cameron, recently interviewed uh, John Lear, aviator uh, John Lear, and John Lear not convinced at all that's uh, putting it lightly that this is uh, he, he thinks this is this particular video is a complete fabrication but that doesn't obviously that doesn't change you know your your perspective in terms of okay well we can argue that but let's do it in front of a congressional hearing mm-hmm yeah yeah I think uh, you know the, the whole idea of a court of law or some sort of body that can really, as I said earlier, raise a level of conversation um, and, and inquiry about what this stuff really is. And then it's just a starting point. As you say, it's a, it's a conversation starter that uh, most people, most, most in media, most television networks just aren't willing to have. Um, and I think that the idea of, uh, you know, everybody on the planet, you know, trying to put bread on their table and provide their families with clean drinking water and an education, that's what they're concerned about right now. And that, that's all fine and good. I think we need to be concerned about those issues. But we also need to be concerned about the fate of the planet. And I think that kind of conversation will lead us into that direction of raising the larger issues of what this phenomenon just might be. Derek and Josh, did you have a comment on the, um, the, uh, the video that was released? 
Well, sure. Um, now, I, I, I'm, no, I'm certainly no uh, video editing or, or, or video fabrication expert. Uh, there are a few, uh, because I, I actually do video editing for a living, but, uh, you know, fabrication is something totally different. There are a few telltale signs to say if something is faked. Now, that's not definitive, because if the, if the government wanted to fabricate something, they're going to have sophisticated stuff that... It, it would be beyond, way beyond, you know, my expertise. Uh, the, the, the couple of little telltale things that come up that most people don't think about when they make, you know, th there are people out there that'll make, uh, uh, you know, UFO videos for YouTube, and you know, I mean, a, a lot of the stuff that people don't normally think about, they're easy to pick out. I didn't get, I, I didn't get any of that in, in either video, uh, the one that recently came out, and then the one that. Uh, uh, Victor talked about from uh, from a few years ago because I, rem I remember that one as well. Uh, but again, it's the government, so I wouldn't expect to. <laughs> you know, if they're going to fabricate a video, it's probably going to look pretty good. Uh, now, at the same time, though, but I think we need um, to remember though that the Department of Defense said that they aren't the ones who released this video. So this is not something right. that came from the Department of Defense, at least not officially. This is something that Luis Elizondo, who resigned for the Department of Defense to take a rather lucrative position with this new uh, company to the Stars Academy. The Tom released. DeLong outfit, yes. Mm -hmm. Right. So is this actually a government op? Or Again, are we out of line in asking, you know, is this just a marketing ploy for a company that is still soliciting for investors on the front page, the landing page of its website? Interesting. Interesting. Well, <laughs> that's a very cynical world view, I suppose. But, uh, hey, we have to be cynical. Uh, it, uh, you know, those of us that have been around long enough to be beaten down uh, come by that, um, that perspective honestly. No question. Sure. Derek and Josh. Well, we, could even talk, we could even talk about, like, what, what, what if it were real? What, you know, what's more scary? Um, and this actually might be why the government seems to be hiding something. Maybe the thing that they're hiding, and this is something that I thought about throughout this, the whole process of writing this book. Is it more scary to think that the government is hiding actual knowledge? They know what this is, uh, but they don't want to tell us. Or is it even scarier that maybe they don't know either? Maybe they're in the same boat as we are. You know, maybe they know a couple little, little, little things that we don't. But overall, they don't know what this phenomena is, and that's the thing that they're actually hiding from the rest of us. Because if anything's going to throw people into mass hysteria, I could, I, I could see that being, being uh, well, something. There is a third, uh, even perhaps even a scarier option. They know exactly what it is, but there's nothing anybody can do about it. We'll discuss. Derek Gilbert, Josh Peck, Victor Vigiani, stay with us. Our roundtable: the UFO study conducted in secret by the Pentagon. We'll uh, continue after this timeout. When in doubt, blame the government. You're listening to The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zoomer Radio. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Heard every Sunday night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. When you look at the sky... Ever wonder if someone's looking back? This is The Conspiracy Show with Richard Sarrett. Just a, a programming note. Next week on The Conspiracy Show, 
blogger, podcast host George Freund uh, will be with me to uh, kind of a, a look back at 2017 and a look ahead at uh, 2018, and we'll uh, we'll cover a lot of ground. We'll talk geopolitics. We'll talk artificial intelligence, the transhumanist movement. Uh, political intrigue, subterfuge. Uh, then in the second hour, Rosemary Ellen Guiley uh, will be uh, with me uh, to talk about uh, curses. We'll talk about the Hope Diamond, the James Dean curse, uh, and also uh, kind of a paranormal news roundup, some interesting stories in the news of a paranormal nature. Uh, right now, we continue with our uh, two-hour roundtable discussion on the, uh, the secret Pentagon study, and uh, the actual name is the uh, Advanced Aerospace Threat Identification Program, the Pentagon insists, or the Defense Department rather, insists it was shut down in 2012. Uh, however, the uh, the whistleblower, the man at the center of this story, the military intelligence official Luis Elizondo, uh, says that's not true. It is ongoing. In fact, he says, they have named a successor after he stepped down in October. Uh, which is uh, rather interesting. Let me get Victor Vigiani back in here and get your reaction to um, Elizondo's statement. Uh, that uh, and, and he wrote a letter uh, to Defense uh, Secretary um, General Mattis saying, I don't know why we're not paying more attention to this, certainly echoing your sentiments, uh, but the fact that he, they have named a successor, that's rather interesting, wouldn't you say, Victor? Yes, I, I would say it's extremely interesting, and uh, I think that the, the, an ind- any indication that this program um, is continuing uh, quite uh, quite well proves my point that this this has been going on for a long, long time, and we only know uh, a little bit about what's really going on behind the scenes. And I think that something like this, to name a successor to a program, means that they have either in some way, shape, or form extended some sort of funding uh, for this particular program, or in some other way, they're doing it on a shoestring. But the fact of the matter is that the investigation continues, and I think that it would be foolish of anyone to even assume remotely that the United States government would toss all of this investigation uh, into the waste bin and just let it stay there and rot. Uh, that just simply is not happening, cannot happen, because everything that all of our um, fine researchers, uh, you know, Richard Dolan, uh, Stanton Friedman, uh, Nick Pope, all of these people clearly have indicated with, with specific documents, historical documents dating back to the early 1950s, that the government has been doing this for a long time. Now, my question would be, if the successor does have his reins, um, uh, you know, on, on on horses that are pulling this uh, this whole chariot forward uh, into a new, you know newer realms of investigation. I think it's incumbent upon the uh, the new boss of this Pentagon program to come forward and begin to release some of their investigation findings. What in fact have they found with this two million dollar allotment? Uh, what are some of the specific things that they have come to learn about the extraterrestrial presence or uh, UFOs or whatever these things might be? And uh, the big conundrum that I'm faced with is why would they be examining, unless they're not part of the shadow government, why would they be examining their own craft? That, that to me, is an untenable position. If they think that they're investigating uh, their own craft, they're seriously con- you know, deceiving themselves. That this is, you know, that's like you know, looking in the mirror and not recognizing yourself. Uh, it just doesn't make any sense at all. So, it, it, by, just by default, the default position, they must be examining something 
that is not uh, within the wheelhouse of, uh, of what um, our craft can do. They must be examining uh, craft of some sort of uh, non-Earth origin. So, I mean, if, if there is, a, if there is a, uh, a new person in charge, he's got a lot of questions to answer before he begins to uh, delve more deeply into this. Derek and Josh, your thoughts on Victor's statement that uh, uh, there's no way that the, uh, the, the Pentagon would be investigating their own craft. What about the idea of compartmentalization? You know, one hand doesn't necessarily know what the other hand is doing, and this is how secrecy is maintained and how conspiracies are, are um, crafted, essentially. Right. I'll say one quick thing, and then I'll pass it off to Derek. But uh, no, I, I don't believe even the, in the even in the most mundane interpretations of this phenomena that we're uh, examining our own craft. That, you know, like like Victor said, that would be that that is it's ridiculous. Um, but enemy craft. Now it might be that, and if it is if it is actual enemy craft, and again, even I, I don't believe it could all be that. Uh, but even if a certain percentage is, I could see why possibly the government might, might want to kind of hide behind the UFO phenomena to, to shield away from that. Um, but, uh, but I'll pass it off to Derek. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I think the uh, Pentagon has a uh, responsibility to the citizens of the United States to investigate things that they don't know, that they can't identify, the, uh, just on the chance that it's something uh, coming from another uh, nation that isn't necessarily friendly. Um, they don't necessarily know everything that's being worked on at the Skunk Works, and so the uh, reports that are coming into them may be of things that they don't know. They may be ours. Uh, they may be ours, and they know what they are, but then they want to make sure that that information doesn't get to, that, that they control the release of that information, because it's, inf- it's a craft that uh, we don't want the, uh, the Russians and the Chinese to know about. But again, in the book, The Day the Earth Stands Still, we, we take the approach that uh, you, you, we can't explain all of these sightings um, that way. But I think the key to remember is that non-Earth origin doesn't necessarily mean extraterrestrial. And that, I think, is the key distinction. Just because it's not human technology doesn't mean it's extraterrestrial technology. Exactly. There, there's a strong case to be made for extra-dimensional type of phenomenon here, and we can get more into that. I probably should mention, just for anybody who might be interested uh, in getting the book, if they go to officialdisclosure.com, uh, we have the book with, uh, with hundreds of do- literally hundreds of dollars worth of free materials, DVDs, exclusive interviews, uh, things that you cannot find on Amazon included uh, with this book for only $39.99. So, you, you know, you can, you can buy it on Amazon if you only want the book. Uh, but if you want to pay just really just a couple bucks more and get a whole bunch of hundreds of dollars worth of extra books and materials and audio series, go to officialdisclosure.com and you'll find the deal there. Uh, but yeah, exactly like Derek was saying, uh, I, well, obviously we wrote the book together, so I agree with him. Uh, but, but yeah, I mean, there, there could be, uh, for all we know, there could be privatized. American companies that the government doesn't really know what they're developing, uh, and uh, maybe they're looking into that. So there, there, there's a lot of com, uh, complexities to this question. Well, Derek and Josh, uh, would it be? F- Let me get your reaction to this. Let's say, for example, that we are talking about extraterrestrials, uh, and that they do hold the secret to interstellar uh, propulsion. 
free energy. This is certainly sort of the the, the, the the hope and the dream, the aspirations of many in the ufology community that, that, that these extraterrestrials are, I guess, in some measure here to save us from ourselves, and they hold the key to, as I say, uh, free energy, uh, you know, uh, a world without disease. Could that stand alongside your Christian worldview? Oh, absolutely, I, yes. And that's something, yeah, that we okay, address, <laughs> uh, yeah, that's something we address in the book. And it gets back to what Josh was discussing uh, in the previous hour. When you look at the, uh, a proper understanding of the verse in chapter 1 of Genesis, where God said, let us create man in our image, uh, being created in God's image doesn't mean that God is a biped that stands about six feet tall. Um, it means we are his image bearers, we are his moral agents on earth, his representatives on earth. And if by some chance um, E.T. from Zeta Reticuli lands on the White House lawn, you know, Klaatu stands, you know, steps out of his saucer with Gort, his robot, that does not change our status as God's imagers on this planet. You know, that would be fantastic if we, if we actually found uh, E.T. existed out there in the universe, not that we believe that there's any concrete evidence that this has actually happened at this point, but if it were to happen, it would not affect and should not affect the faith of Christians at all. And that's one of the main reasons we wrote the book. Uh, yeah, and I'll, I'll just add, too, uh, to that question. If, if they did, uh, if E.T. Did, did have, you know, all these wonderful things that they could do to help us out, uh, and, and maybe they do, uh, uh, well, what, what are they waiting for? I mean, if they've been visiting us for thousands of years already, and they've always had this, like, my, my question, my, my, my question would be, what are they waiting for? What do we have to do? Because they haven't clearly spelled it out, uh, and, and that's why I say, and, and Derek, you know, we, we both kind of agree on this that it's uh, this, this question is more of a religious one in nature because the same could be asked about God. Well, God is all powerful, so why do bad things happen to good people? Uh, well, he's provided a way out of that through Jesus Christ. You know, there, there's a clear plan uh, to have some hope after death. Uh, now, there are those who will re reject that, you know, fine. But at least, the, 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 you know, the plan is there, whether somebody wants to accept it or not. When it comes well, and, to the, the question, of these um, with... I was going to Sorry, say, the existence, the existence of these other extra-dimensional entities have some role to play in why bad things happen to good people. It fits within a Christian yeah. worldview. It, Yes, if, it, if it's extra-dimensional in nature, absolutely. Der, and I, I'm going to turn that loose on, on Derek. I'm going to let him explain that because he does a better job than I. But, but if it's extraterrestrial and they have all of these things, well, what's the plan? How do we attain that? Because as far as we know, they've never sent uh, a cohesive radio signal or an email or, uh, you know, I'm, I'm being a little flippant about it, but, I mean, they, they've never had any kind of real direct contact. It's always... Uh, something subjective, like uh, telepathy through some seer or something, and then they all have different answers. Well, it's some type of evolvement of humankind, and you got to do what we say, and then you'll eventually get there. But there's no clear plan set in place. Now, if it's the extra-dimensional uh, hypothesis, if that's true, it, in, in my opinion, in Derek's opinion, and I think to any logical person who looks at all the evidence, uh, there is a clear answer to all of that, and like Derek, uh, like Derek uh, mentioned just a moment ago, they're a part of the problem. They're a part of why we're in this state to begin with. All right, let me throw sort of the same question, but coming at it from the, the opposite end, and that's to Victor. Victor, would it be fair to say that, by and large, in the UFO community, if 
you make the suggestion or you make the assertion that we are talking about interdimensionals and that they are more than likely, uh, you know, from the demonic realm uh, and and that, that this is all part of a great deception. Would it be fair to say that that particular narrative, that dog won't hunt, by and large, in the UFO community, or at least you get yourself you're removed from a lot of Christmas card, card lists? <laughs> it's, a, it's, a good, it's a good point. Uh, well, the whole interdimensional aspect of this is, is something that I've I've um, I've entertained for a long while. As a matter of fact, Jacques Vallée was the first one who who suggested that kind of narrative. Masters and of deception. That's right. Uh, so that I mean, you, in this in this whole situation, it, it is definitely a battle over worldviews. I mean, we've we've heard uh, all of uh, all of us this evening discuss different worldviews about how this scenario can play out. And it's it's a it's a lot like there's there's two aspects to this. It's a lot like playing a hockey game, um, Richard, uh, with between two teams. Uh, you know, you got one puck, then all of a sudden somebody throws another 15 pucks on the ice, and you got to deal with all these pucks and try to you know try to make sense of the game. Now that you've got 15 pucks instead of just one, and we're in a state of confusion about this. So it requires us to come up with some sort of methodology of understanding something much more complex than I think we can ever really possibly, um, with our limited human understanding. It's a lot like, you know, your dog watching you uh, leave for work in the morning, okay? Your dog has no idea where you're going, what you're going to do, uh, when you're coming back. All he knows, he sees you get in, the, in this machine and leave. That's all he knows. He's never going to be able to understand what's really going on. So what happens when some sort of clarity is brought to this issue and that dog realizes that, oh, that's what's going on. That's the kind of thing that I'm hoping for. So if, in fact, the answer comes interdimensionally, whether it becomes, you know, point A to point B within our own, you know, galaxy or somehow uh, through some sort of wormhole in the universe, it really doesn't matter. The fact of the matter is we had better be prepared to deal with the implications of whatever happens, whichever scenario it is. And I think that's the kind of preparation that we need uh, to be talking about here is how will humanity, how will the human family deal with what's really going on, whatever that might be. The only scenario that's not acceptable to me is that we are alone. That, that, that to me is, is uh, that, that there's no credence to that issue at all as far as I'm concerned. Uh, but if you look at the other side of that, that argument, the fact that uh, there are other beings out there wherever they're from, I think that's the key issue that we have to deal with and what the implications are of the realization and acknowledgement of that by the human family. All right. Stay put, all of you. We will reassemble in mere moments and uh, continue to discuss what is uh, really shaping up to be one of the, uh, the great stories of uh, 2017 into 2018. The Defense Department's Advanced Aerospace Threat Identification Program, the Pentagon's Secret UFO Study. Derek Gilbert, Josh Peck, The Day the Earth Stands Still, Victor Vigiani, Executive Director, Zeland Communications. Back with more right here on The Conspiracy Show. Shaking the world and seeing what falls. This is The Conspiracy Show with Richard Sarrett from Zoomer Radio. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Heard every Sunday night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. The truth is not out there. It's right here. 
The Conspiracy Show with Richard Sarrett from Zoomer Radio. Welcome back. Here's something I think we can say with certainty, and I know uh, Victor will be delighted with this, and that is that the treatment, this issue, UFOs and ETs, gets in the mainstream media will never be the same. It started with this uh, story, December the 16th, 2017, about this uh, secret Pentagon UFO study. And uh, then there was a uh, a follow-up piece a couple of uh, weeks later in the New York Times. This was by a senior writer by the name of Dan Barry at the New York Times. Uh, and this was published in the uh, the New York Times Sunday Review section. He writes... The year now ending has been so laden with tumultuous news that one astounding report in the exhausted final days of 2017 seemed almost routine. That for years, an intelligence official borrowed within the Pentagon, Warren, was running a secret program to investigate reports of unidentified flying objects. Beg your pardon? That scoop by Helene Cooper, Ralph Blumenthal, and Leslie Kane for the New York Times was underscored by a companion article that detailed how in 2004 an oval object played a game of aeronautic hide-and-seek off Southern California with two Navy fighter jets assigned to the aircraft carrier Nimitz. The object then zipped away at a speed so otherworldly that it left one of the Navy pilots later saying he felt, quote, pretty weirded out, end quote, as you might if you watch the video of the encounter that the Department of Defense has made public. In considering these reports, my mind turned to all those reasonable people who were dismissed and ridiculed over the years because they believed that something was out there. I thought in particular of believers who had died without savoring these official revelations. Believers like my late father. I can hear what he would have said there at the veterans' home, his broken vessel of a body in a wheelchair, but his mind as quick and bright as a shooting star. I've been saying it for years, he'd assert, followed by a choice epithet he reserved for government officials, followed by, I knew it, then a satisfying drag on a cigarette. Uh, That's uh, Dan Barry writing in the Sunday Review of the New York Times. And again, what strikes me is the serious tone. We are seeing here a sea change. Whatever else we might say, whether this Pentagon... Um, a study was a, is is a is a covert uh, hoax. Uh, whether it's legitimate, whether we're talking about extraterrestrials, interdimensionals, one thing we know on the ground: journalism and its treatment of this issue has forever changed. Uh, Derek, Josh, your thoughts? Well, since I uh, overshadowed Derek in the last run, I'll let Derek take this one. <laughs> <laughs> You got to throw him a bone every now and then. <laughs> well, I appreciate that. Josh likes to, uh, you know, give the old man a break. Uh, he likes to remind me that my radio career began four years before he was born. So, oh, oh. Um, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> every chance I get. Ouch. Yeah. Um, so, no, I, I think, I, and we would agree. Uh, it, it is good to see that this is not being treated as um, a, a joke, because for too long this is a phenomenon that has been uh, used as a kicker story on the evening news. And you'll never yep. believe what so-and-so saw. Well, okay, now, finally, to see this in the New York Times, Washington Post, CNN, Fox News, uh, getting some serious treatment, I think is a good thing. And, uh, again, to, not to you know, beat this, this point too, too hard, but uh, you know, coming at this from a Christian perspective, Josh and I are delighted to see this, because yes. we think it's an important subject that Christians need to address uh, because it is, a, it is a worldview-shaping belief system. And I think if you look at the, um, 
uh, again, the website of To the Stars Academy. But even before that, and this is a subject that Josh covered in depth in the book, uh, the WikiLeaks emails released from uh, John Podesta's account included several contacts, emails from the uh, late Dr. Edgar Mitchell, uh, sixth man on the moon, very intelligent man, co-founder of the Institute for Noetic Sciences, uh, but one who believed that uh, we had been contacted by uh, extraterrestrials who wanted to share with us the secrets of zero-point energy and um, other wonderful technology, as long as we promised to be peaceful in our uh, dealings with the, uh, the contiguous universe. Um, this, I think, is something that we need to address as Christians. Again, as critical thinkers, we need to ask the question, okay, we don't deny, Josh and, and, and me, that, that uh, contactees are hearing from something out there, but how do we vet their claims? How do we verify that these are actually extraterrestrial entities? How do we know they're not lying to us? When they come to us and say, we're here to serve man, how do we know that's not the title of their cookbook? <laughs> well, it is interesting that a number of prominent UFO researchers, Jacques Vallée, uh, I would say uh, Dr. David Jacobs, uh, and then uh, Nick Redfern, uh, who I, I, I think is just a fabulous uh, writer, uh, have all sort of come around to this idea that, you know, to take the, uh, the, the, the steal the title of Jacques Vallée's book, The Masters of Deception, there is an element of deception going on, which sort of leads into, I, I believe, sort of your, your, your understanding of what this issue is all about, that there is a, a level of deception here. Right, and I mean the the, the late Carla Turner was on, on on that trajectory as well, and and that, that you know what what what's really convincing about all this is it's not just a Christian thing, you know. I mean, it, it's people. No, who, Dr. David think, Jacobs is is I believe a, is an atheist, if I'm not mistaken. Dr. David Correct. Jacobs. Yeah. Right. 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 Yeah. Exactly. Uh, actually, mo- I, I think most of the the, the prominent UFO researchers, most of the people who are in the spotlight now. Uh, I, I don't. I don't know of any of them that are actually necessarily Christian. You know, I mean, I'm sure there's one or two, but uh, the, the the ones that uh, in the UFO com- community, if you were to mention their name, that you know, they would recognize. Right, L. A. Marzulli um, would be one of the more prominent. Uh, well, sure, uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, and he's a good friend of ours, and we, we you know, we love L. A. to death. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I, you know, like with people like L. A., like Derek, like myself, people like Joe Jordan, Guy Malone. Gary Bates, there's a whole lot of people who, who do subscribe to that. I, I, I think they're probably more well-known in the Christian community than they are yes. in the UFO community. And I might, I might be wrong on that. No, there's um, definitely a schism I'm there. They, on any statistics. Yeah, they don't get invited to those, uh, those parties. There's a real schism. Wouldn't you agree, yeah. Victor? Oh, for sure. I mean, <laughs> having been around within this community for a, a, a large number of years, uh, you know, four decades, I've seen this, this community uh, become, um, uh, you know, everybody becomes a whipping boy at some point, uh, no matter what feature of this whole issue you, you espouse. Somebody jumps all over your back uh, on what, at one point or another to um, either advance their own theory or denigrate uh, the one that you're trying to put forward. And right. If you have the wrong opinion, that, suddenly you're Majestic 12. Of course, right. yeah, and you're, you're categorized uh, as, as uh, well, I don't know what you want to know what the, the categories really are, but the fact of the matter is is that you become ostracized for one reason or another. 
And so w- what happens is, you know, people take this this middle ground approach just to just to uh, remove themselves from the scathing ridicule of their of their so-called colleagues. Uh, I think uh, you know you really have to run up the middle with this whole idea and say, listen, folks, let's just stand back here and see what's really going on and and quit trying to advance your own personal view of this whole thing. And that's why I think some of the really good um, researchers in, in this area, namely uh, people that I respect highly, uh, like Richard Dolan and and even and, and Steve Bassett and and Grant Cameron, our our, our Canadian cohort here, um, th- these people are, are trying to get at. Uh, <laughs> it sounds banal. They're trying to get at the truth, and they're trying to unravel yeah. a very very tangled ball of string. So it's quite clear that um, the dialogue going on within the UFO community is just as, 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 as caustic as the dialogue going on inside of some of these intelligence agencies as to what we should do in terms of compartmentalization and all of that. So we're really the victim of our own demise. All right, we'll uh, pick this up on the other side. The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett continues in mere moments. If you're sure your phone isn't tapped... Call now, 416-360-0740, or toll-free at 1-866-740-4740. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Heard every Sunday night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. You're listening to The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zoomer Radio. I, I'm sure there's an interesting backstory, uh, which you know we'll save for for another time. But um, uh, and that is how uh, Blumenthal, Cooper, and Leslie Kane managed to get this story into the into the um, the Sunday New York Times. I mean that must that that must have been a Herculean uh, effort. It must have taken I'm guessing years. Uh, what do you think, uh, Derek? Well, it's uh, it's curious again that the the New York Times and uh, you know other mainstream media sources have uh, decided to pick up and run with the uh, the story. And I am just old enough and skeptical enough to again ask the question: Is there something going on there that that we need to poke at a little bit harder? Um, you know, it's it's funny how uh, many of us will be skeptical of the mainstream media until they publish something that we agree with that kind of confirms our existing bias. <laughs> Um, you know, oh, they finally noticed the story, so now we finally got validation. Well, yeah, but two weeks ago we were complaining that they never print anything that, uh, you know, that, that any real news regarding what the government's up to. So, uh, you know, I, I guess my question is, why now? Why is this suddenly become an acceptable topic for the mainstream media to cover where it wasn't previously? And that's a question I honestly don't have a good answer for at this point. Well, part of the maybe, well, the, maybe the clue is the fact that the, the 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 response from the readership was so tremendous uh, that you know for a, a newspaper that is trying to figure out what the next business model is, mm-hmm. you know maybe maybe again that's very cynical. Maybe that's part of the equation. What do you well, think, Josh? This is the kind of story you only see covered by the red tops in the UK, like the uh, you know the Sun and the Star and the Express. So uh, you know, I don't know. I, not to not to cast aspersions on them or to suggest that the New York Times is going that direction, but uh, it, it is interesting because those uh, stories are clickbait, no question. Uh, Victor, did you want to jump in? Uh, do you know any of the, I mean, you, you've talked to Leslie Kane. Do you know any of the backstory mm-hmm. here? How she managed, I mean, how long, what was involved in getting the New York really, Times? Obviously yeah, a lot I of can't. vetting. 
Yeah, I, I can't say specifically, Richard. Uh, I have not spoken to Leslie about it. I have spoken to Leslie about other things, uh, you know, some time ago. But I, I have no way of knowing, you know, what really motivated and what the mechanics were as to how the how the editorial staff, um, uh, you know, at, at that particular uh, uh, newspaper decided to do this. Um, I, the image in my mind is that if you recall the 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 movie All the President's Men and Ben Bradley and Catherine Graham were sitting in in the in the room in the editorial room and tossing around the idea of whether or not to go with Woodward and Bernstein's story and there was a huge silence and I forget which one of them said it but one of them said let's go for it and I think it was just made like a, almost a flip of a coin and th- this could be that spontaneous it could be so okay I think the time is now I think the time the evidence is there the dialogue is there we've got the we've got all the backup stories from from people that are involved in this and you can you can bet that there's other corroboration going on too. So I think, uh, as was mentioned earlier, that, that there's something going on behind the scenes where this is not just a whale kind of you know surfacing a little bit. It's almost like a breach, and once that breach is recognized by the rest of the media, uh, there, there's just, there's no way this thing is going to be stopped, and it's going to be definitely a sea change as to how uh, the general public gets to view this. If if the media continues a sustained amount of coverage. That's the whole key. This this cannot be just a story that you know, rises and falls as, as a flag might in the morning. Uh, this, this flag has to fly for a long time in order to be considered serious. And I think that good journalism, and I think if Leslie's involved in it, she will propel this thing forward, even if her own uh, you know, sentiment is, is countered by any other journalistic uh, approach. She will find a way to get this thing to the surface because she's probably one of the best at, um, uh, at at manipulating this issue to the front to the front pages of newspapers, you know, Dustin by her book, they rose to number twenty nine on the New York Times bestseller list. That's got to tell you something right there. Uh, Derek and Josh, the fact that they the Pentagon uh, spent initially anyway just twenty two million dollars. Uh, if this was of such import, uh, you know, delving into this, uh, if it, what is at stake is potentially you know, the answers to most of our existential questions and, and perhaps even things like free energy. Why just $22 million? <laughs> I know, right? I mean, that that doesn't seem like a whole lot. Well, I, I, I'm going to say my little quick thing, and then I'm going to pass it off to Derek. But um, uh, kind of going in with the, the, the last question, and here's... Here's where I, I, I joke with Derek about his age, and you know we laugh, and you know I'm I'm I, I'm like a young whippersnapper who won't get off his lawn, and you know he's he's like some old guy. But no, seriously, um, uh, Derek's been a, a, an amazing inspiration to me, a big source of information, to say the absolute least. You know I didn't grow up with a dad or anything, and. You know, uh, Derek's done a lot to fulfill a lot of those roles. Okay, I don't want to get too mushy into it. But the main point being, I don't remember a time in my life where I've watched the news. You know, I'm only, I'm only 33. I'm relatively young. I don't remember a time in my life where I've watched the news and the UFO phenomenon, alien abduction, a- anything with that has actually been taken seriously by the mainstream media. Just has never happened. Now, maybe... Uh, because I'm, I'm too young to know, maybe this is part of the cycle. Maybe there has been times in the past 
where this has been taken seriously and, you know, may, maybe it's like a waning and waxing kind of thing. Yeah, for about 24 I, I hours know, in I, Roswell I in 1947. To, to <laughs> Derek and the rest of you for that. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, uh, you, you ask a really good question, Richard. You know, why just $22 million if the UFO, if the UFO phenomenon is something that the Pentagon wanted to take seriously? Because uh, uh, as we've learned over the past couple of years, and, and maybe, you know, you remember back in 2001, just before uh, 9-11, on 9-10, then Secretary of Defense Donald Rumsfeld said they couldn't find something like $2.5 trillion mm-hmm. in the Defense Department budget. But uh, just last year, uh, and th- it was disclosed that the uh, Defense Department was missing something like $6 trillion in just one quarter, which is why the uh, Trump administration has announced it's going to start auditing the Department of Defense for the first time ever. So $22 million is a drop in the bucket when you're talking about, you know, a... a, a and an organization so huge that it can lose $6 trillion in unauthorized adjustments to its books in one quarter of one year alone. Um, is it simply, and Jason Colavito, who, who tracks things like this with, with a skeptical eye uh, and does an excellent job at it from that standpoint, uh, is it just simply that, that the former Senator Harry Reid, who got this into the Defense Department budget, is buddies with Robert Bigelow? Because as the New York Times reported, most of it went to Robert Bigelow. Mm-hmm. And that's something you have to pick up carefully as you're reading through the article. But uh, it might just be him throwing a bone to a political supporter. I mean, I think I, think I can add something to this conversation now in terms of $22 million with the Pentagon. I think we have to look at other organizations, uh, specifically NASA, uh, who knows that these things are coming and going with impunity. Uh, they see these fast walkers come and go. That's uh, some of the information that, uh, uh, that's been related to me. That's number one and the kind of money that they're expending to expose this because Leslie Kane did, in fact, sue successfully sue NASA for their documents about the Kecksburg incident back in 1965. That's, that's number right. one. Mm-hmm. Number two, um, I have information from NORAD directly, the NORAD commander, and Richard will uh, back me up on this one because I released this information back in 2016, the NORAD commander sent me a threatening letter indicating that anyone in possession of information about uh, these unknown tracks and the distribution of this information could be indicted uh, against the National Security Act. And he admitted at the bottom of the letter that NORAD, over the past five years, has an average of 1,800 contacts with craft of unknown, um, unknown identity. And number two, over the last five years, they have an average of 75 intercepts. This is stated in a letter directly to me by the NORAD commander. So there's a whole lot of other stuff that's going on, not just just Pentagon uh, uh, dabbling in this with $22 million. Well, that's, that's a really good point, Victor. I mean, the $22 million is all that was officially reported. Uh, they're Again, when you're missing $6 trillion per quarter from the budget, how much of that is just being slushed around to cover this sort of, uh, uh, this sort of exactly. investigation? Right. Yeah, the $22 million, I mean, the Pentagon, this is an organization that spends $100,000 on a hammer. <laughs> so $22 million <laughs> should cover postage and letterhead, I, I would think. Um, let me ask you, Derek uh, and Josh, uh, we just have a, a few minutes here, but if you had... Luis Alessandro in a room right now. Rattle off a couple of questions you'd ask him. Oh, gosh. Well, yeah, I, I've actually seen a couple of posts he's put on the public fora, and he seems to be sincere. Um, at least that's, that's the public persona that he's put forward. Um, I, I guess I would ask, you know, why are you going public with this now? What, what convinced you to leave government service and pursue this in the private sector? 
I'd, I'd want to know that. Well, he seemed to answer that, I think, in his resignation letter to General Mattis. He said he just got fed up with the secrecy. But why not do it through MUFON? Why take a for-profit uh, position? Ah, I see what you're saying. Yep. Interesting point. All right. Josh, did you want to th- um, add one as well? A question? Yeah, I mean, I'd probably go along with Derek on that. I mean, and anytime I interview somebody, and I, I, I do this for a living, uh, I host a show called Into the Multiverse. I frequently co-host Skywatch TV with Derek. Uh, we, we've interviewed, oh, oof, I, I, I wouldn't even know how many people now. My main interest is to know what their bias is. Bias isn't like a negative, evil, bad word. Everybody has one. You know, everybody, I have one, you have one, everyone's going to have one. I'm interested to know what that is, and then, okay, what's the information that you have, what's the facts, and how is that filtered through your bias? Uh, that, that's what I would want to know first, because uh, I don't know anything about him. I, I, I don't know... Uh, I, I don't know his upbringing. I don't know his religious affiliation, if there is any. Um, I, I don't know what he believes about. I, I know nothing about him. I would want to know that first because that's going to tell me more about the information he provides than really the objective information itself. All right, Victor, uh, a, quick, a quick question. I, I would want to know that. Okay. Your, your question to Alessandro would be what, Victor? My question would be, uh, why did you, similar to what I just heard a moment ago, but why would you have done this direction in terms of releasing this information in a dialogue with, uh, with Tom DeLong? Why wouldn't you have sat down with a recognized journalist or a news agency, some, something like CBS or NBC or ABC, whatever, and sat down and do a tell-all uh, with with a news organization that could bring this stuff forward full force without questioning anybody's motives about, you know, investments and and, and the other things that are going on uh, with the To the Stars Academy, why wouldn't he have done it in a more pristine way to really convince the general public that he was serious about telling the story in in a proper way? Well, gentlemen, that is a wrap on uh, our two-hour roundtable discussion. And uh, once again, I just want to mention and thank Derek Gilbert, Josh Peck, The Day the Earth Stands Still. Gentlemen, how do we get the book? Official disclosure. Well, you can go to... (laughs) I had a feeling that was going to happen. Since I did the first pitch, Derek, I'll let you take this one. <laughs> uh, officialdisclosure.com. Just click on the link there, and that'll get you to the best deal. Uh, you can find it at Amazon, of course, but we got a really good deal through uh, Skywatch TV, and that's linked at officialdisclosure.com. And how can we watch you on Skywatch TV? Skywatchtv.com or the Skywatch TV channel on Roku, Apple TV, or uh, the Skywatch TV mobile app. Derek and Josh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Victor, how do we um, read your dispatches at Zeland Communications? Well, once again, just Google the uh, our moniker, Zeland Communications, and just Google that, and you'll come up with uh, our blog site with all of our press releases and editorials. Victor, thank you again, my friend. A pleasure, as always. Ian Robertson, Albert Vinzel, Ryan White, thank you all. Back next week with a brand new program. In the meantime, don't be afraid. There's nothing concealed that won't be revealed and nothing hidden that won't be made known. What you hear in the dark, speak in the light, what I say in a whisper. Proclaim from the housetops. Move over, Aphrodite. I'm coming home. Thanks, North. Good night. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads. 
Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.